From the nostalgic haze of the 2000s, many films are idealized, their flaws lost to time. In an all-but-forgotten DVD store, two dedicated employees seek truth in these rose-tinted films. They are James and Alex. These are their reviews. Not mention, but Um, Alex, I've got something to talk to you about here. Um, why have you been continuously putting Schindler's List in the comedy section? Is this some kind of sick joke? What do you mean? Schindler's List, it starts starts with a C. Schindler's List, what, why, where else would you put the comedy movies? What, in the S? You, you, you know that comedy isn't an alphabetical category. What do you mean? You know the alphabet. Sure. Do, do you know the alphabet? Yeah, sure, okay. Say it, say the alphabet right now. Uh, no, I look, alright, no, I, I looked this one up earlier. I, uh... Oh no! You've, you've all right. You've really done it now. You've exposed me. All right. Let I don't know the alphabet. Uh, l- let me start for you. A. A what? You know, maybe people don't come into this store because they can never find anything. Well, I mean, I I'm pretty sure I wrote David Easter out the front, but look, I don't know what a letter is. I don't know what the alphabet is. So I'm too scared to check. Hold on. Let me. Let me walk out for a second. What the fuck? That says morgue. Ah. Well, I mean, DVD is a medium is dead already. Am I right? Ha <laughs> ha! Zing! Oh, wow. What a way to rock it into the, to the opening for... what? Well, I mean, I don't know. The opening of the store, although we're already always... always we're always open... Boy, it's it's really late at night right now, so I think we're starting to lose our ability to speak. But we're not losing our ability to listen and watch movies. Because while we're losing our ability to speak, I think we'll be rejuvenated in mm-hmm. just a second by our fortnightly drop of our movie. Oh boy, I can't wait. I've been chomping at the bit. <whistles> Clunk! Why don't you go grab that? First time I grabbed it, not a great film. Last week you grabbed it. Pretty good film. Yeah. So why don't you go touch that little package right there? I'll keep the trend going, hopefully. Fingers crossed. I'll I'll see you in a little bit. Okay, now I'm back. Now, actually, okay. Now, last time I looked at the movie, I didn't quite recognize it, but I did get pretty excited. This time, I am absolutely stoked. Now, we've got the 2005 classic, Sky High. The high school classic. Now, I never went to high school, unfortunately. That's pretty serendipitous, isn't it? Well, I thought so. Yeah, I, I never went to high school, but Sky High, that was all the school I needed. You could look at it and be like, you know what, that's the school I want to go to, where I can walk in and not have superpowers, and then get laughed at by people who do have superpowers, who could probably kill me with their bare hands, or not even. They could just look at me and I'd die. Yeah, get essentially racially segregated. Mm. I believe the creators of Sky High wanted a direct parallel to apartheid in South Africa. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, that was the first thing I thought when I watched that way back in 2005 as a eight-year-old child. I believe they wanted the uh, main character's dad originally to be Nelson Mandela. <laughs> really? Okay. Kurt, so Kurt Russell was going to be played by Nelson Mandela? Yeah. 
Okay, well... I, I believe so. Yeah. To really hammer home the point of racial uh, divisions in Sky High. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, say what you want about the film. You might think to yourself, wow, what else did that main character do? Or, wow, Mary Elizabeth Winstead was in this movie. She was actually a pretty good actress. Or, wow, Kurt Russell, that's not Nelson Mandela. Where's the racial segregation in this movie? The list goes on. But the questions hopefully will be answered pretty soon because I think this is going to be the movie that we're going to be watching tonight. I believe so. I believe there was no other movie dropped through the shoot. Moving on from some uh, heavy stuff that we're extracting ourselves to more the intent of the film, yeah. which is a light-hearted superhero send-up. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about Sky High? Um, well, look, conveniently enough, unlike the last two movies, I've actually seen this movie pretty recently. Uh, I think I saw this probably within a year ago. It was with you. Uh, we, oh, the we office did... Christmas party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thanks for showing up to that. I know I organized it and it was just us. Well, but... I think we're the only two people that work here. Yeah. But thankfully, you know, we, we, had, a, we had a turnout. So that was awesome. Uh, so we watched it there. I had a lot of fun with that movie. I remember seeing it back in 05 as well. Um, so as a kid, I enjoyed it a lot. I was like, boy, I can't wait till I go to high school. And I didn't. But, you know, it was wishful thinking. I think looking back on it now, it's interesting looking at it from the perspective of being in the middle of a superhero craze mm. because the kind of superhero send-up it's sending up, that being a superhero and a sidekick, is very old-fashioned superhero dynamics. Yeah, for sure. There's no real superhero sidekick in today's modern age. No, it's always a team-up. It's never, it's never uh, you know, one, one sidekicking the other. And I think what the... I guess the, the biggest example could potentially be Batman and Robin, but they're not really that present in today's superhero and, society. And even so, Batman and Robin have been kind of relegated to equals. Mm. They've been kind of uh, rising Robin to the level of kind of Batman's equal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's fair enough, actually. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, the, the system of classing the, the superheroes in this movie is going to be between the heroes and the sidekicks. And that's such, a, such an obvious divide. And I think it's definitely... Supposed to be in, in the high school sense, a separation between, you know, you got the cool kids and you got the nerds. And I feel like that's really what they were going for. Yeah, I think they were going for kind of a lighthearted high school social structure. Yeah, for sure. Clickness. And I think the kind of outdated superhero send up really lends itself to the timelessness of Sky High. Yeah. Because it's not really making any commentary of something that we are experiencing now mm. or we're really experiencing then. It's kind of uh, something you know about in the superhero kind of genre, mm. but it's not something you live with day to day. So with all that in mind, I think it's pretty evident that we have actually seen this movie fairly recently. And you know, we, we both we, enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. So we've, yeah, we've already got a, a pretty decent grasp on what the movie had to offer. Now, having said that, I think it's always important that we, you know, we have to go back. We have to refine our, uh, refine our method in a way. We've got to make sure we get it all down pat. But there are a couple of other things that I wanted to mention before we sort of jump straight into oh, it. Oh, yeah? So, so first off, and speaking of the timelessness of Sky High, they were going to make another one. They were going to make, they were going to make something else. Uh, back in 2016, they made an announcement. Mr. Disney himself. John the, Disney. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Head of Disney. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's what I, I, Sorry, I thought that's what I said. But John Disney, the man himself. Our personal friend. Yeah. John Disney. Exactly. He stops by... And by personal friend. he doesn't friend, stop by. By personal friend, I mean... I saw him once at a Kmart, mm. and I tried to say hi, but was tackled to the ground. Oh, there you go. Well, I mean, what an experience, though. You can say that you've been tackled to the ground by the security of John Disney. Not many people can say that. Not many people can? Yeah. Not many people live to tell the tale. So, congratulations. So, they actually wanted to make a sequel, though, and John Disney himself told us 
uh, back in 2016, they made it a little announcement and said that they were going to put together, uh, I believe it was called Save You, which was the sequel to Sky High. So Save You being uh, Save University. So that's that's pretty creative. It it's was pretty clever. It's yeah. Better. And you know what? Every single person, except for except for Kurt Russell being the dad, and uh, uh, Kelly Preston, I believe, who was the mum. Uh, and also, a link to a comment we made in the Shaggy Dog podcast. Yes. John Travolta's wife. Yeah. And also star of Gotti. She was a star of Gotti as Gotti's daughter. That was a bit of a weird dynamic. I don't. We don't need to get into that too much, but a little bit strange. I don't know how to feel about that one. A little strange. But everyone except those two were signed on. Yeah. Everyone was ready for it. See, if you've got a cast who's ready to do the sequel... And you've got an audience who's ready to do the sequel, ready to watch the sequel. And then 2019 rolls around and they, they can it. They, they give it the boot. I think it was going to be either a movie. They were tossing up between a movie, TV show, something along those lines. The, the line got a little bit blurred. And then eventually they kind of just trashed it. They trashed it because of uh, box office numbers. Because it only made about 70 million gross mm. at the box office. Is that bad for 2005 though? Like for a, for a high school movie... Is that maybe I, I not bad that. for two thousand and five? But it would certainly be not what Disney would want in twenty sixteen or twenty nineteen. Oh, definitely. With not. movies making over a billion dollars, that's true. Seventy million dollars. They probably looked at that and they're like, "Well, that's a dead horse. If it did see one, I gotta just I'm gonna shoot that one in the leg and then in the brain right now because I'm not I'm not letting this one live. Sky high, you're done for. It's just not worth it. Yeah, save you. It's like seeing ten cents on the ground and like it would be a net ten cents. Mm. But it's not worth the effort to bend down and pick it up. Yeah, and so I just pull up my 12-gauge and shoot that coin just straight away. <laughs> I I just I don't like looking at them. So, yeah, I guess that's what Disney had to do. And Save You was uh, was not saved, unfortunately. It was executed. So As far as we know. It as far could as change. We know. Fortunes could change in the future. Yeah, we might accidentally jinx the fact that it was cancelled and bring it back. And, you know, if they need producers, we can produce. We're and not also, doing much. We know a man that likes to get his grubby little fingers in every pot. We do. Vinny, if you're listening, which you definitely are. Vinny, please save Sky U. Yeah, we're, you're $5.5 million, $5. million for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Pour a little bit of that, just a little bit, into Save You. Save the, original, the original budget was $10 million. That's more than half. That's more than half. We're already there. That's chump change to Vince. Oh, there we go. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have shot that 10 cent coin. That's all I'll say. Okay, now that now that we've you know gotten that out of the way, I do just want to say now obviously we've we've given our opinions on the movie. We've we've both said it's been a pretty good movie. Yeah. With that in mind, I have never anyone that I've ever spoken to, I've never ever heard anybody speak ill of Sky High. And unlike the Shaggy Dog, this isn't a haha, I remember the Shaggy Dog as some kind of overall joke. Mm. This is I have genuine nostalgic feelings for Sky High. Yeah. It was genuinely an enjoyable film. Absolutely, yeah. So I look. I hope that still holds up. I would be amazed if it didn't. Maybe something's switched in the in the cynical brain of mine in the last year. Um, God knows what's happening up there because I mean, look, the letters aren't even coming to me, so I don't even know what the rest of the brain's doing. But I don't know. With with that in mind, I reckon we should. Uh, I reckon we should go and give it a cheeky little watch. Yeah, let's slip this into our DVD player, give it a watch, and come back with some uh, fresh thoughts. Yeah, fingers crossed. Let's do it. All right, the eject button's been pressed. We're back at it. Uh, whoa, whoa, wow, what a movie! I yeah, what it. a movie! I I had a lot of fun with that, and I still remember it fondly. We just finished watching it, so my memory hasn't failed me yet. 
I love it because it's a story everyone can relate to. Yeah, absolutely. It's I a mean, story of growing up. Yeah, it's a story of friendship. It's a story of love. Yeah, but I mean, look, I think I think we can both agree, though. It's definitely a story of... Uh, genetic, genetic superiority. Yeah, oh, exactly. You read my mind. But yeah, it's... I don't know. I thought it was a pretty beautiful story, but there really were a couple of tones and a couple of themes in there, which I think we do have to really set up, so... Mainly being that certain people are given a God-given right to control and possess power over people without those genes and power. Mm. And that is right and good and the way of the world. And Definitely. if you argue against it, you are relegated to a lesser position and laughed at. Exactly. Oh, hang on. They call it hero support. But they are definitely downtrodden. Uh, and that's, that's the tragedy of the film. That's the, uh, that's the main kind of crux. And that's the, the selling point of the film is that if you're a sidekick, you're, you're basically useless. I mean, they called slaves indentured servants. Well, that's... Uh, yeah, I guess everyone's got a name for everything these days. So I think, as per last time, I think we're going to be going through this one in, in two parts. So first off, we're going to have a chat about, you know, just the characters. We want to establish some sort of context here. For those yep. of you who might not have seen the movie or you might not have seen it for a little while, we've got to make sure everyone, everyone knows everyone's on track with uh, all of these pretty wacky characters. And some of the names of these characters alone are the selling point for this movie. Some of the names are phenomenal. We'll obviously get into uh, very shortly. The highlight of this film, I'd say, are the side characters. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. But uh, and so so part two, obviously as well, we're going to go a little bit more into depth about uh about the plot. We're going to have a li- little bit more of a chat about what makes this movie tick, and uh, and we can really really get into brass tacks from there. But uh, yeah, first off, let's 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 begin with the characters. And I think from what we had said and what we had said during the movie, it's really a movie about the side characters. It's really a movie where it's it's a bit of an ensemble film. I don't I don't think it's just about the main characters. It's the a bit of an Avengers of its time. The main, the main characters, characters are, are the weakest. weakest. That's very true. I don't think the main characters are the weakest. I think the main character is the weakest. That's fair enough, actually. The so main character and the main villain are the weakest. Mm. So Will Stronghold being the main character. Yeah. So he's the he's a primary protagonist. He's the son of two superheroes. Uh, chinless. Chin, yeah, Chinless. Chinless isn't the name of the superhero, but Chinless is the name of him because he may as well be. That could be his new superhero name because he doesn't get named actually. By the no, end of it, no, he doesn't. He could be. There could be Commander being his father. Uh, Jetstream being the mother and and Chinless being uh being the son. The magnificent trio. Yeah, the stronghold three is uh is what they're going by. Wow, Amanda, Jetstream, and Chinless. Imagine that on your lunchbox. Oh wow, I'd love that. So yeah, they they show up. You know, they they start off the movie. We've got the two greatest superheroes the world's ever seen uh, in Commander and Jetstream. Uh, now Commander, played by Nelson um uh Kurt Russell, phenomenal uh, superhero physique. He, he definitely embodies the superhero. He's got the charm. He does. He's got the build. He's got the hair. He he does indeed. His his hair is his hair is beautiful, uh, and he's got those classic Clark Kent glasses as well, which he does yeah. spot between because he's, he's also he's also a dad. Yeah, he's very traditional Superman superhero. Yeah, definitely. He's strong. He's a dad. He's a bit oblivious. Yeah, he's a bit of a rule bender. Mm. Uh, for his son But not necessarily a rule breaker Not a rule breaker A rule bender You know at one point he His son throws a party mm. And they say What do you have to say for yourself And his son says I didn't mean for it to happen And Kurt Russell just goes Well that's good enough for me And starts to walk off <laughs> What an absolute madman But yeah I mean I guess that also t- ties into it The fact that he's completely oblivious To what's going on But he's allowed to be oblivious Because he's genetically superior to everyone else that's very true. And therefore, everyone fawns over him, falls over him to get his approval. Mm. Because his approval means the world, because he could topple governments when you think about it. He could. He, with his wife, he could walk into the White House and usurp power. 
Yeah, and who would stop them? No one could. Yeah, they they were established very early in the movie. They are the world's greatest superheroes. Not with Chinless on their side at the end. Oh, absolutely not. But he's he's a combo of both of them because he does end up getting both of their powers. Yeah. That's so I mean, yeah. So so I guess for the for the quick sake of plot as well, Chinless doesn't have superpowers at the start of the movie. He's he's one of the only kids at this uh, at this big school Sky High who who doesn't have powers. He's a freshman, he starts off, but he doesn't have any powers and he doesn't want to tell his parents. Because, I mean, if you're the son of the, the, the two greatest superheroes of all time, what are you going to do? You can't just say, oh, I don't have superpowers. They're going to be, they're going to be you know, terrified. They're going to be so sad. They're going to be it's, heartbroken. It's a parallel to maybe you could say coming out as homosexual to your parents. Yeah. But unlike a movie which shows that's okay and accepting it, uh, basically this movie supports conversion therapy mm. and says that you can only be accepted and only be truly great yes. if you are straight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I was that was just burning a hole in my mind the whole time I was watching it. So I'm I'm glad that we got that out of the way, and I'm glad that we we brought that up though for sure. So so we've 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 covered that now. Obviously, on the other side though, there was there was Jetstream, being uh you know lo- loving and caring, also uh, incredibly powerful. Flight the supersonic flight is uh is her her shtick there as well. Not as much character as the dad. Yeah, unfortunately. Not as much screen time. Uh, she was a mum. Yeah, she definitely was. She was a mum. Yeah, she she had the had those kind of classic embarrassing mum stories of a. Uh, Oh, I remember you and and uh, and Layla. Very as awkward, a, though. Yeah, like I think I'd even push it further than awkward and say very inappropriate. inappropriate yeah, because yeah. she says I remember you know when you and Layla were bathing naked together in the kiddie pool. In the kiddie pool, and it's like you know saying bathing together in the kiddie pool. Fine, fair enough. Adding a nice little children's there, anecdote. That's a little a little weird. Yeah, adding the adding the naked is is a little bit strange. Speaking of Layla as well, Layla's in this movie. Danielle Panabaker, I believe that's how you pronounce it, uh, of of the Flash fame. So she she continued uh, her superhero trend. Um, Probably the most relatable character in the film because she is the only one that calls out this fascist institution for what it is. She does. She actually she says the words. Isn't this? Does does she say this is fascist? She says this, is, this is a bit fascist. Yes. I've never heard the the term a bit fascist. I feel like that's slightly strange. Maybe she didn't say that though. But she definitely did mention fascism as a problem at the school, and rightly so. Yeah, her powers are to control plants. Yeah. And you see that a bit through the film, but she, she's a pacifist, mm. which, a bit cowardly when you've got a fascist system going on. But, you know, she's only 16. I can pass that. Yeah, give her, give her a pass for give it. Give her a Absolutely. pass. Absolutely. But yeah, she's the only one throughout the film which calls out this system for promoting genetic superiority. Mm. Why should the heroes be better than the sidekicks? Why should these people have all the power? Why should we prove ourselves? Yeah. Now, we haven't really talked that much about Will as a character. In fairness, I don't really think there's much to say. Um, Imagine I mean, any sort of high school teen drama main dorky kid yeah. who finds himself uh, through the movie and then has relations with his best childhood friend. best friend at yeah. the end. That is his character? Yeah. He falls, he falls victim to the classic high school, I guess, you know, society. He shows up. He's a bit of a bit of a dork. He's a freshman. He's new. He's he's supposed to be popular. He's the son of the you know two really famous superheroes. Doesn't really get accepted at first. Gets his powers. Becomes accepted. Becomes cool. Then he leaves all his old friends behind. And it's it's very tragic. But I mean that happens in most high school movies. You know if anyone's ever seen uh, Mean Girls, great film. It's basically the same character arc. So but with, with a lot in- less character. Yeah, with a lot less character. Lindsay Lohan did a way better job. Than I think. Chinless. Yeah, and then Chinless. Yeah. I'd say the next character uh, that I would really want to talk about is is Sky High is is, is the school because I think it really encompasses basically 
the majority of the other characters, not all of them, but the majority of the other characters. I think it's probably the biggest of the characters, what? both in geographic size, but also in what it kind of represents. There's no other characters outside the relation to the school. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's all related to the school. Yeah, it's the glue. It really is the glue of this movie. Now, Sky High as as a school is obviously very impressive. It, uh, it has an anti-gravitational field. That's one of my favorite character traits uh, in any human being or school. So that's what holds it up in the sky. It's what he looks for in a woman. So, ladies, well, if you're listening, if you're anti-grav, oh, give my boy a call. Oh, boy, yeah. You'll know where to find me at the, uh, at the DVD store 24-7. Morgue. Uh, 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 sorry. I did do that, didn't I? I'll have to fix that before next time. But the school, it, I don't know, it represents, as we said, it represents the superiority complex. Or I mean, su- just solely by the fact it's floating above the rest of society. Yeah, it lording is. Lording itself over. We have the power. Yeah. If above this the- fell out of orbit, it would be cataclysmic. It would, yeah. If it were to drop, it would not only destroy the houses underneath, which we do get to see, there are houses underneath it, it would most likely be, another Marvel reference, an Age of Ultron style Cataclysm. It would be like a meteor hitting the Earth. It would level the continental United States. It would. Good job to the the Sky High people for just thinking, you know what, this is a great idea. And thank goodness, uh, you know, a couple of wires are holding the school up because otherwise we'd be toast. The whole school, right, Sky High, p- you know, perpetuates the, the regime of uh, genetic superiority. The character, which is the archetype of Sky High, Coach Boomer. I, I, I would argue is, is probably going to be the, the pinnacle of the school. Played by Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Phenomenal actor, though. Fantastic. Yeah, the voice of an angel. Such a talent. Yeah, and that's why I love him. Except for the fact that he is borderline Nazi in this movie. That's okay. And he is a sexual and physical harasser of the students. He is. He does do that. He uh, he decides first off in the... What what do they call it? The hero initiation? Power power tryouts. Yeah, something like that. Whatever, Whatever the case may be. I don't quite recall. Where they test the powers. Yeah, exactly. They're testing him out, finding out whether or not they're going to be heroes or, or sidekicks. They get somebody up. Now, she turns into a, a big ball. She just turns into a ball. Now, he just goes, side, kick. And he, and and he kicks, kicks her. her. Yeah. And, you know, for, for a first glance, you're like, oh, that's a classic little visual gag. You know, kick. She's a ball. Then you, know, you realize she's a person. Yeah, she's a human being. She's younger than him, substantially. Yes. And he kicked her. Yep, just kicked her. And The she... hero mm. kicks the sidekick mm. because he can. Exactly. Because he has that power, he's got that ability, and he's got that, I guess, superiority, and and he does it. And that's 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 not all. That in that same minute, I believe, another character comes up. I believe he's called Carbon Copy Kid, according to IMDb. Carbon Copy Kid shows up and walks up, and they're like, "Oh, what's your power, mate?" Uh, I didn't say mate. He's not, he's not from Australia, but he he turns into Coach Boomer, and he goes, "Ah, a hero and a handsome one at that." And, and yeah, slaps on the ass. Slap on the ass. Now. The handsome one at that, I'm like, you know, okay, I reckon you could get away with that. It's, it's a joke. It's, yeah. it's him, you know, it's clearly a joke. He's not making a comment about the kid. Yep. But the slap on the ass, that's, that's weird. the kid, it's still a kid. Exactly. No matter no matter what the kid looks like, it's still a kid. That's a very strange act. Um, I want to point out that this coach's name is Coach Boomer because he screams. Mm. He's got Sonic Boom. But his actual name, as you see for a split second later is Boomowski. Boomowski. Which is incredible. Also, you see Boomowski later mm. in an umpire's chair presiding a game, loving the violence these kids perpetrate against each other. Yeah, he loves the old days. He, he loves tradition and he loves what the school used to uphold and I don't think he really likes the change that it seems to be going through. I think, I think he's a bit of a violence junkie. Yeah. 
he's a bit of I think he's a bit of a stickler when it comes to the tradition of a lot of uh, the olden times, and I think that really I don't know really brings back the uh, the the sort of maybe the the not so great parts of the the twentieth century. Of, he loves uh, to see the subservient crushed. Exactly. Well, yeah, for want of a better uh, phrase, I think I think that's perfectly apt. So we got Boomer. Now he he shows up a couple of other times. So good on him. He exists as a character. And with Boomer, mm. we're introduced to. All of Will and Layla's friends, the sidekicks. Yes. Except War and Peace, which is introduced later. Mm-hmm. But here we're introduced to all the sidekicks. Yep. So, first off, we got we got Zack Attack. The man himself, Zack. Who now we meet on the bus. We do. Very cocky, very confident. Yeah. Said he discovered his power a few days ago. Yeah. And uh, very quickly says, look, I wouldn't have even showed up if, if, if I didn't have a power. Which Great. makes the audience go, ooh. ooh Will doesn't, Will have, doesn't his have his powers. Oh, no. He doesn't have them. Uh, but but Zach doesn't care. Zach doesn't know either. So I think he, I think it's fair for him to go for that. He gets up. Turns out he can glow. Admittedly, the effects for it aren't that great. I mean, you could argue that maybe he had like a light nearby. I wouldn't say he was glowing. He might have had a light under his shirt. He could have. He probably did. In all honesty, meta wise, I reckon he probably just had a sh- like a light under his clothes. At no point does the, his entire body glow. Yeah, it's just, it's just his torso. Yeah, it's like around his shirt. Up from yeah, he, he's always lit from below, so it looks like he's just his shirt's glowing, and you're like, nice. You can uh, you can choose the right shirt for the day. And honestly, pretty pathetic as a power, but yeah. that doesn't give them the right to deride him and chastise him in the way they do. Absolutely not. Yeah, he uh, he gets he gets very promptly yelled at, and I believe he gets yelled off the stage. He does by, by Coach Mimo. He, he more he gets, assault. He gets airborne. Yeah, it gets thrown up against, uh, I believe, you know, some sort of concrete pillar. Now, Zach is a pretty cool character. I, I really like him. I think he's a bit of fun. He doesn't really do much, but I mean, he's still he's still a fun fun character to be around. Eh. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> why do you say that? I don't know. I found him particularly just bland. Mm. I don't think it was one of the more interesting side characters. He kind of got overshadowed by many of the other side characters in the film. Yeah, no, that's fair. And despite the fact that he can glow, he really didn't have much of a time in the spotlight. And so. the, the thing I remember most is... Uh, basically when he makes a bet on mm. someone else's behalf and the punishment <laughs> is on someone else. Yeah, he was uh, he was the judge, jury and executioner of a case that he had nothing to do with. So that's that's a pretty bold claim coming from a sidekick. Next character? Yeah, I believe Ethan. It's going to be uh, one of them as well. We've got a couple of other, you know, we'll, we'll do a, a quick quick fire round of, uh, of all the other sidekicks as well. So first off, uh, other than Zach, obviously, you've got Ethan, kid, uh, kid called Popsicle, he melts. Right. He melts into a puddle. Yeah. Uh, An orange puddle. Basically Urkel. Yeah. Black nerd. Exactly. Yeah. Also derided many times during the film, which brings up a bit uncomfortable racial comparisons because he's put in the sidekick category. Yeah, exactly And right. all these very buff, muscular white men are telling him he's not worthy, he's not good enough. Yeah, and he kind of cops it, actually. But uh, you know what? I think it's good, though, because he does turn it around on a, on a, on everybody towards the end of the movie. He, he kind of fights back, and I reckon he does a pretty good job doing it. One of his, his problems is that he keeps getting his head dunked in the toilet. He's, a, he's, not having, he's not having too much fun. So he always gets his head dunked in the toilet, despite the fact that he could very easily just like turn into liquid and just kind of leave. But that's fine. Let's, let's assume he never does that. Uh, but he turns it around on, uh, on, on the people who are bullying him, who are going to be the two characters of, uh, of Lash and Speed, who are some of the coolest characters in school. I think it's important to note that throughout the entire film, he's the only person that takes out two different individuals mm. using his powers. He takes out both Lash and Speed. He does. Yeah, in a, and despite the fact that all he can really do is melt, he, he, he makes a good use of it. He does. Like, he tricks 
Lash into thinking that he flushed himself down the toilet later on in the movie, and then Lash is like, "Oh, this guy's this guy's a loser. What? He's he's escaped. He's gone through the gone through the pipes." He shows up behind him, like rematerializes, and kicks his head into the toilet. Boy, oh boy, what a what a violent fight. yeah, what a violent act. But you know, I reckon I can respect it considering all the uh, all the bullying that he's been getting uh, up until that stage. Rise up, proletariat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what we were chanting that for about 25 minutes after that happened. We had to pause the movie, but you know, when you when you have to chant about the proletariat, why wouldn't you? You got to chant about the proletariat. You got to chant about the got to chant about that. Anyway, so uh, moving on from that. He goes straight outside and goes out, sees Speed running at him, Speed of Sound. Instantly turns into a puddle. Speed slides straight across. Probably still has a bit of Ethan on his shoes uh, to this day. So I assume Ethan is walking around with, you know, missing a couple of teeth. Maybe like a bit of his skin's gone. Yeah, one eye. But that doesn't matter. But he takes both of them out. He does. Unlike any other character in the film, Mm. he takes both of them out. So good on him. Yeah, what a champion. Other than that, who we got? Magenta turns into a guinea pig. Pretty cool. She turns specifically into a puppet guinea pig. Uh, That's a little bit weird. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It is kind of strange. It obviously, you know, made in 2005. It was kind of weird to, you know, do a, a realistic CGI guinea pig chewing through electrical wires. Yeah, G-Force was a couple years away at this point. It was, yeah. I, I want to say G-Force was maybe 08 or 09. Yeah. yeah, so they didn't have the technology yet, so they had to work with what they got. So it was like a Basil Brush style, like, puppet of a guinea pig. I'd say she was the least developed of all the sidekicks. Yeah. She didn't have much to do. She was cool punk rocker kind of teen. Yeah, exactly. Um, Turned into a guinea pig with purple stripes. Yeah. Make sure you didn't forget that it was her. Yeah. Um, she's kind of there. Yeah. I think that's really... Look, uh, to be honest, it's about as much as we can say. Other than that, the the next next best one, definitely War and Peace. War and Peace is a hero. Yes. The first hero we, we meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also uh, another another sort of Will Stronghold. I guess he's, he's his main sort of arch enemy at the time, at the very beginning of the movie. He's, he's kind of like a rival. Then supposedly then they become best friends. That's what yeah. the ending narration says, but... That's a stretch. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have said it at the end of the movie. But I mean, look, whatever. Whatever the words, happens after. Exactly. We'll have to take whatever the the comic book ending says as, as gospel. He's kind of uh, resentful. Mm. War and Peace. Uh, his father was locked up by the commander. Yeah, being being Will Stronghold's father. And he's he's kind of upset about that. Yeah. I mean, because his his parents, he's got dual parent parentage. Exactly. Of a hero and a villain. Mm-hmm. His dad being the villain. And, you know, growing up without a dad, it's it's hard. Mm. And, you know, it's great of everyone else with stable, privileged households with this genetic superiority to lord it over him, basically ride him off from square one mm. of being a mix of both hero and villain. Because as the theme of the film goes, Warren Peace's genetics define how people treat him. Yeah. I mean, I think it's almost his name as well. His name is quite literally Warren Peace. I mean, War and Peace. Yeah. You get it. Because war, the villain, peace, the hero. Yeah, exactly. My knee was absolutely raw with how many times I was slapping it with that joke. Oh my goodness. But, they, you know, they, they slipped that in there and uh, had a bit of a laugh about it. Um, so yeah, War and Peace, what a guy. What a character. Yeah, he's a very brooding man. He doesn't want to talk to anyone. You see him sitting alone. He's got that long hair. Looks a lot like Taylor Lautner. He does a bit. But uh, now, obviously... You know, you can't have a school without support staff. You can't have a school... And with... here we get the best characters. Yeah. These are these are really when we separate, you know, the, the relatively average, like, high school drama film from, like, a high-tier, if not god-tier, blockbuster, beautiful masterpiece of a film. This is the wheat. 
The main characters are the chaff. Mm. This is our wheat. This is the cream of the crop. The crop being the wheat as well. This is the pinnacle, the tippity top. We've got Ron Wilson, bus, bus driver. driver. What an Ooh. absolute legend. What a beautiful man. Worth noting mm. that the three primary side characters all played by comedians. Definitely. Which really shows. Yeah. So those, those characters being uh, Ron Wilson, bus driver. Now, he's the first one. The second one being, I believe, Dr. Medalla. I believe that's his name. Medalla, yeah. Yeah. Now, he's, he's the, uh, the, the mad scientist. He's the mad the science teacher. Exactly. The big brain. Uh, and the third one being Mr. Boy. All-American boy. All-American boy, Who now yeah. goes by Mr. Boy. Exactly right. The head teacher of, uh, of, of hero support. Now, we'll get to him in a second because, boy, oh, boy, he's a bit of a tragic character. He's very sad uh, in the best way possible. And he's beautifully played. But we cannot gloss over Ron Wilson bus driver first time you meet him mm. uh, he takes this whole thing very seriously yeah and and rightly so this is a this is a very high profile very high risk for, for a driver relatively low reward job now with that in mind he's been chosen he's been handpicked as the the best of the best when it comes to transporting empowered individuals privileged dare I say individuals to their their place of education. Constantly downtrodden by the upper class. Mm. Even the other students. Him being working class Mm. is treated as a bit of a joke. Mm. Him being so desperate to achieve those higher echelons. And in the end, in the after credits, you see that he does. He is gifted powers. By falling into a vat of toxic waste. But realistically, uh, that's luck. Yeah. As it's established earlier in the film that, you know, you either get powers or you die. Yeah, exactly. So it's perpetuating the idea that you're either born with your privilege, born with your superiority, or you're just incredibly lucky yeah. and manage to make it. And Ron Wilson... He makes it. He makes it through luck. Yeah. But until then, he's very likable. He's very earnest. He's very hardworking. He is indeed. And he's got, he's, he's, you know, he's got a certain, uh, he's got a certain bounce about him. He's a very, he's a very happy individual and he's uh, up until... You know, we, we see he's, he's, you know, obviously a lot of the students don't really like him too much because he, he doesn't have powers. Um, and I think that's really what defines a student or a, or a teacher or anyone in this society's status. That's what it, that's what determines their status is what powers do they have? How important are they going to be in the future? And Ron Wilson doesn't have those powers. So he's apparently, according to the rest of the students, he's just not important. And he, he's treated as a joke, as you said, but still he takes his job seriously he, uh, he swaps out the patch on his hat for the sky-high hat. Or he swaps out the, the whole hat, sorry, for the sky-high hat, looking virtually identical just with a patch now. And you can tell he's done this for a while. Uh, he, you know, he's flying along. All the kids are screaming at the back of the bus. <laughs> he as chuckles at freshmen. Exactly, yeah. He's like, this ain't my first rodeo, so uh, I know, I know what, I, what I'm getting myself into. Uh, and he ends up saving the day in the end. He does, Part yeah. Part of the day. Yeah. He saves this busload of children. He does, uh, yeah. But with an amazing line. Mm-hmm. There's only one man authorized to transport superheroes, and that's Ron Wilson, bus driver. Kicks him off the bus, and I'm Ron Wilson, bus driver. It was. Where's the Oscar? Where's Where's the Oscar? It's, that was. It, it's a line. It's what, so good. What a beautiful, beautiful line. It's delivered perfectly. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, and with with that, this is in the midst of you know the sort of final fight sequence as well. So this is a high tension, high risk situation. Ron Wilson, he's there. He steps up. When it comes to somebody messing with his buses, when it comes to somebody messing with his superheroes, he's there. Interesting to note, 
he doesn't beat anyone superpowered. He beats the sidekick of the main villain. Yeah, that is true. I, at the same time, though, it does denote the uh, good versus evil at the end of the day. At least it is a good sidekick beating the bad sidekick. But it's the lesser echelons of the superiority tree. That's true. Well, it was a nice anecdote. It was a nice little, nice little side note for the audience there. But there he is. Yeah. Ron Wilson, bus driver. Mm. An epitome of a great side character. Ron Wilson, call us. Please. We love you, buddy. Now, with that in mind, that was one of the comedians. The second one as well was the mad scientist, uh, Dr. Medella. He was there. He didn't really play much of a role. He was the classic kooky mad scientist. I, I guess wouldn't so. say, I didn't say he's over the top. I say he's very dry. I think especially from a from a comedian background, it was strange to have such a such a dry approach to the character, but I think in a still comedic way, though. Well, I feel that it was so dry because it contrasted the other two yeah, for comedians. Sure. You had the goofy, earnest Ron Wilson. You had the nervous, anxious, pathetic, all-American boy. Mm. And then you had the very dry Doctor. Yeah, for sure. So, look, I think that's really as much as we need to say about, uh, about the Doctor there. He has a Although few he, quips. He does. He does go boom-boom. As well, when he gets turned into a baby. Because that happens at the end of the movie. All also, the adults. he has apparently sex appeal. Because he mm. goes on a double date with uh, Coach Boomer. He and does. And you see a little scene of their double date. And the twins are all over him. Yeah. But no one's over Coach Boomer. Yeah, because Boomer earlier says, in the middle of the cafeteria fight scene, oh, so what if I told you they weren't just twins, but one of them was an evil twin. And he turns and goes, Friday night, you said? Yeah. Oh, Medulla, you old dog. So, what a beautiful scene. And that brings us to our third comedian. Yeah. All-American boy. Used to be the sidekick to Commander. To Commander. And I'd say he... Although Ron Wilson, bus driver, is amazing, Mm. I'd say All-American boy was my favourite performance. Yes. Because he really nailed that just downtrodden, but earnest, Mm. pathetic Equally optimistic. Yeah, Yeah, it was a really, really... You could see that he still had the light in his eyes, but boy, it was fading. Yeah, he was... From scene one, you could tell how just downtrodden and pathetic he was mm. uh he's kind of slouched he got a suit slightly rumpled too big for him yeah but i think he's got the greatest superpower of all in this film and that's to change outfits in maybe half a second he drops down oftentimes you know he'll, he'll drop behind a whiteboard and he'll drop below a desk and comes up it's almost as though he's still in the frame and he's just in a different outfit which i think is phenomenal not only able to do that so quickly but being able to impart that knowledge to the rest of the hero support group in such a fast... Well, it's, it's in like, a montage. It's, yeah, it's like in week one or two. He yeah. teaches that. I would love to learn that. That's such an amazing technique. And he's clearly a send-up of the kind of Robin character. Definitely. The joke kind of character. Because this is, this is, as we said in the intro, this isn't a modern superhero send-up. No. This is like kind of like a 1960s Batman kind of send-up with Adam West. Robin was considered pretty useless then. But there is even a, you know, a, a brief scene where you know, he's teaching uh, hero support English and he, he says, holy blank, blank man. Yeah. And you know, the students obviously have to fill in the blanks. I mean, if that wasn't a Batman reference, I don't know what was. So yeah, what a, and I did like that little thing. There's a lot of you know, little small visual gags, little background stuff. And much in the way that all of the background characters of this movie are phenomenal. There's just, it's all the little things, I think, which I really think, bring this movie together. I think the scene that really cinches his character for me mm. is uh, when he finds out Will Stronghold's in the group. Yeah. He asks Will about his dad. Yes. And Will says he's never heard of All-American Boy. And then it's just maybe 30 seconds of All-American Boy talking to himself, just slowly fading out yeah. about how, oh, he never mentioned me. We worked together for years. Yeah. And it's just sadder and sadder and sadder. Didn't talk about the scrapbooks that I um, 
I spent a while waking. Just spent uh, hours making. Yeah. <laughs> what, what about so your mother? Sad. Didn't didn't mention me either. Oh, okay. No, that's all good because he's he's very busy. He's always trying to justify his his mistakes or is something that's really not his own fault. There. Yeah. It really is. Really is quite a tragic scene. But you know, all the kids kind of laugh it off. They're like, "Haha, what a sad, sad man." And I mean, they're not wrong, but I really wouldn't be laughing about that. That and, is that was. He's the end result of the society that you know. That they're currently they, trying to perpetuate yeah, at the school. The genetic superiority society. This yeah. man has everything a hero has, but just because he wasn't born with the right genes, he's forced into a life of being downtrodden by all these superheroes mm. and forgotten by those he loves most. Yeah. Now, I'll say it now as well. If there's a single part of this film that people remember fondly, you'll be very hard-pressed to ask us about it and for us to not be able to find a link to genetic superiority. I mean, you can send it to us and say, hey, I really like that part where, you know, they're fighting in the cafeteria. I mean, genetic superiority, obviously. People were trying to perpetuate and spur on a, a fight between two privileged individuals, or rather, at the time, they weren't necessarily privileged, actually. One was one of the members of uh, the downtrodden society, being Will, didn't have any powers. So, much knowledge, it was a nice scene. It was still incredibly obvious as to what was really going on. But now that we've all been talking about uh, genetic superiority and whatnot, I think that brings us to the, the peak of the school being Principal Powers. Principal Powers doesn't really do too much in this film either, to be honest. The only thing of note is to mention that she was the actress that played Wonder Woman. Exactly. I believe Linda Carter was the actress's name. Yep. You know, she made a little joke at the end, you know, when she's like, oh, hey, I've still got a school to run. You can't be doing this to me all the time. I'm not Wonder Woman, you know. And that's a knee slapper. Yeah, it is. Because she is. Yeah, my, I knocked my knee off at that point because my knee was already raw from earlier. But yeah, now Patella it's just gone. was across the room. Exactly. There's, there's just a red stain across the wall. But thankfully, the knee's still there, so I'll pick it up later. Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, awesome. You know, she, she did a good job. She was there. She, she did a passable job. Yeah. I mean, um, no complaints, no real, sta- you know, standout performances there, but good on her. And then finally, we've got the main bad guy. Yes, of course. I was about to say War and Peace. That's not true. Royal Pain. Oh, now, so, yeah, like... The actual villain, when she becomes a villain, mm. you know, she's nothing special. Yeah, definitely not. Voiced, though, in her suit by Patrick Warburton. Yes. So that's a big win for oh, the character. Definitely. We had Kronk voicing Royal Pain for, a, I'd say, about a third of the voice lines that they had, which was awesome. I was really happy about that. Now, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh, playing Royal Pain or Gwen Grayson, I believe. So Gwen Grayson, maybe being a mix of Gwen Stacy, Dick Grayson, could be a pretty, pretty possible, pretty... You know, light-hearted superhero reference from both Marvel and DC. That's interesting. I didn't notice that. Yeah. I literally didn't either until I just said those words. So I might be completely wrong. Let's go for it for now. So, yeah, she's a technopath. She can control technology with her mind. Now, as it turns out later in the movie, we find out that she used to be... Uh, she still is, obviously, a supervillain. She was, you know, controlling technology back in the back in the 60s or back in whatever years. She'd become an adult. 80s? And then... I think so, yeah. Maybe maybe 80s. Close because to the 80s. Because they were mullets. Yeah. Oh, of course. Sorry, the mullets. Of course. How could I forget? We find out later, yeah, they were, you know, she was able to control technology. Her technology backfires. She turns back into a baby. Well, and she, she made goes the pacifier. Again. Yes. And they destroyed the pacifier, mm. uh, that being Will Stronghold's parents. Yes. And it backfired on her and it turned her back into a baby. She has to redo her entire life up mm. to adulthood to yeah. try and get revenge. Because that's what the pacifier does. It's supposed to turn people into babies. Now, boy, it'd be really hard to be a technopath, someone who controls technology in an age where technology was, was pretty relative to now or relative to, to the time, pretty primitive. That wasn't I think they really... make that point in the film. Oh, really? They think they make the point how hard it was to be a technopath back in the days where there wasn't, you know, kind of microchips mm. and all that high level of technology mm. that she can really do something with. 
Right. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, yeah, now that she's got it, she's got it under her belt. As she's, a, she's a bit of a dangerous woman. But I reckon for the most part, especially when it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I reckon she does a pretty good job. She kind of swaps between the traditional, you know, bad guy. Because, I mean, look, the voice is Patrick Warburton. I think kind of when they're in the suit, it's it's essentially a guy. They swap between Patrick Warburton and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, just kind of being the classic high school... Socialite. Uh, yeah, exactly. Socialite, kind of being a bit of a bit of a two-faced... Uh, to be fair, she something. she's very sweet. Mm. And you could kind of maybe guess she was the villain. You know, it's not that hard. But... The there's no build-up to her being a villain on a dime. Yeah, she's just she just swaps all of a sudden. And I think it's around about, you know, it's the time of the party. And again, we'll probably get into more detail a little bit later. Yeah, she, she kind of just swaps all of a sudden, which is a bit tragic. I feel like she could have kept the ruse up for a little bit longer. But she, she unfortunately doesn't. And that does kind of, you know, put up a little flag for, for Will, who ends up dumping her ass for homecoming. Because she's like, oh, I want to go to homecoming with you. Will's like, oh, yes, I'm a, I'm a freshman. She's a senior. I'm a god. want to get my dick wet. Well, exactly. But straight after that, he's like, actually, no, I don't want to go with you. All of a sudden, she's like, well, hang on. That, that's not the plan. I, I need to have you there as well. So, uh, you know, I can also turn you into a baby, I guess. And I also think she's genuinely offended that he has the audacity to dump her. Yeah, I think I can get around that. Admittedly, she she does kind of call out all of his friends and say, look, they're all kind of useless. I don't think And basically lie to Layla, yeah. saying that Will doesn't want to talk to her. And if there's a red flag... That's a red flag if I ever saw one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I reckon that's a pretty effective wrap-up for all the characters. Definitely the side characters more interesting than the main characters. Yeah, absolutely. I think, look, all, yeah, all the characters did a passable job, but the side characters definitely really brought this film to life, I think. And, and for such a, a film as a, a film set in a, a high school, when you're going to have a lot of other characters to look at, I think that's really, really good that they had such talent in just the, in the I guess, the wings of the film, not just, uh, not just the front. It really elevated it from standard teen drama into a very alive kind of rich world that they kind of lived in yeah absolutely because you could have fun looking at all the little things they've hidden around and the character acting and that's what really makes this film from average to pretty darn good yeah absolutely so i mean look with what you've said in mind i reckon let's uh, let's take a bit of a deep dive let's go into it we'll be back in part two to talk about the plot see you later i mean see you in a bit (laughs) 